I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Support. Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for What's Craig Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Ravinelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Ravinelli spots out. Emerson! Hello and welcome to the Board Breakdown podcast, the opposition preview show with me, Johnny, and my guest for today, Dan. From all stats, aren't we podcast? Uh, Dan, how are you doing, mate? Thank you very much for joining me. Um, I'm feeling pretty good after a pretty solid performance from Leeds last night, and uh, yeah, looking forward to talk to you about Leeds, my favourite subject. Yeah, it's well, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's it's it, it's been a minute. I think since we since we last played each other, obviously 2019, yeah. you guys did double over us as well, four nil, and then one nil got promoted in yeah. the Bielsa uh, as well, and it seemed to be going so well, and then. Last for these last few years for Leeds have been just up and down, up and down. So get us up to speed. What's been going on with Leeds United over the last four years? So, so I don't know where to start. I've got a note here and it says, just says alter exclamation mark, which I think <laughs> is quite funny. So yeah, so we, we kind of we went up um, during the COVID lockdown. So I remember you, you said we played you and beat you one 0 That was I think that was the second to last game before lockdown. Hmm. I mean, I was there at that game actually in, in the away end. I remember being there and. Um, so we eventually got up when the when the season restarted, and our first season in the Premier League was the lockdown behind closed doors season. We had a good year; we came ninth. You know, took a few good scalps. Uh, you know, had some real yeah. good games. You know, um, beat Man City away. Sort of got points off Liverpool, that kind of stuff. Beat who we needed to beat. Came ninth, thinking, great, right? How do we build from here? Um, and I'm not sure what happened. I think this is this is where the auto story kicks in. Really, we'd spent quite a lot of money in our first season up. Um, I bought a couple of centre halves. We bought Rafinha and we bought Rodrigo. Now we spent about 100 million quid on those guys. Now the only one that really, really, really worked was Rafinha. He was fantastic. He was a fabulous player. Mm. But the other guys didn't quite work out. Like we bought Rodrigo to compete with Bamford as a centre forward, but he wasn't the right profile. He was expensive. He was injury prone. It, it just kind of that didn't quite work. But still, we came ninth for a good season. But I guess it meant there wasn't much money for the second year. And then the second season, we didn't kind of fill in the gaps in the squad that needed to be filled in. You know, Calvin Phillips was developing injuries and we didn't have a backup for him. Bamford started to get injured. And like I say, Rodrigo wasn't quite the right profile to fill in for him. So second season was all around 
like the team just falling apart and injuries catching up on, on us. I guess it was the fourth season of Bielsa at that point. So, you know, the accumulated fatigue, that kind of stuff, and the performances start to drop. And also, I think it was second season syndrome in the Premier League team started to work out Bielsa's man-marking system and there were like really obvious mm-hmm. ways to break it down. Like, we, we had this system under Bielsa where we would have a plus one, minus one. So we would, if it was up against the back four, we'd have a front three pressing their back four and one spare centre-half. That was that was how it worked. And the rest rest of it was man-marking. The opposition just knew, like, send the centre-half centre forward and you can just stroll through the pitch. And then as we're all discombobulated, then then away you go. You've, you've got us on, on the turn. And we just couldn't defend second season. So Bielsa got sacked. Um which was pretty emotional. I mean, you know, it was really an emotional because, you know, we yeah. love BLC. It was, it was absolutely, you know, I'm, I'm not too proud to admit I cried a bit when he left. Um, I mean, it was the right, my heart, it was the heart, it was the right call, I think, because we were just getting walloped yeah. every week, but I love the man. So it was just really, it was a really hard call. Um, and then for whatever reason, Orta seemed to think that the obvious replacement for Marcelo Bielsa was Jesse Marsh. Now, if you know anything mm. about Jesse Marsh's football, it's uh, if your listeners Red know anything Bull. about Red Bull ball, that kind of very mm. narrow counter press. It's yeah. like Alter had the only lesson he'd taken from Bielsa was intensity. He'd not taken press. any lessons about mm. yeah, press. So yeah, Jesse Marsh is is all about the press, but it was a very, very different press. It wasn't a man-oriented press like Bielsa's, it's a zonal press. It's about compacting the pitch, it's about giving the ball away so you can win it back in a dangerous situation and go. It's, it's Red Bull football, you know, the kind of like Leipzig mm. and Salzburg playing. I think Southampton kind of played that system a little bit under um, under the Austrian coach they had, I forget his name now, Hasenhüttl. Um, that They kind of played that kind of style. Yeah, yeah, they kind of played that style. And it, and we basically, we blagged ourselves to survival. We did not deserve it. I remember the last game of the season, we beat Brentford away. And it turns out for the great one, Brentford were hung over when they played us. So we just completely and utterly blagged like survival yeah. Jesse Marsh clearly wasn't the man it was just it was so it was it was awful football it was really easy to play against it was like watching little kids play football they're all there huddling around the ball and chasing after the ball and stuff you know it was just like on the ball structures were awful there wasn't anything it was all just about playing from the middle and counter pressing uh and it was yeah it's just not a system that worked in the Premier League but for whatever reason all to double down on that and said no we're keeping Marsh and basically we went to Salzburg and just paid fortunes for you know, Red Bull players, just Aronson, mm-hmm. Christensen, um, the right back. Um, we brought in Tyler Adams, who actually was pretty good, actually. I didn't mind him, but he was a Red Bull player. Um, we got in a not a bad Spanish midfielder called Rocker, who was quite a good passer of the ball, but athletically wasn't really up to the Premier League. Uh, and we never, again, we didn't like rectify the centre forward issue. We still went forward with Bamford, who was crocked, and mm. Rodrigo, who was a good footballer, but not suited to playing as a lone nine in a kind of, you know, in a pressing system. So again, we just struggled and we just struggled. And and it was obvious from sort of late September, October last season that we we're in trouble. Um, mm. And the, you know, fans and everyone's calling out, look, move on from March. It's not working. We've got a mini break in January. We've got a few quid to spend. Apparently we heard, you know, get a good coach and we, we can rebuild the season. We'll be fine. And all to just double down on March. We went through the world cup, didn't make a change. Uh, January, Bought some players in for a lot of money that weren't really fixing the issues that we needed to put in Rutter, who's playing for us now, and uh, centre back to come to play left back. It was just crazy. And then two weeks after the transfer window, Sax Marsh. So it's just like, what? It's just chaos. It's just like, uh, that's just Victor Water all over. So we hired uh, Javier Gracia, who's the ex Watford manager. You might remember Watford played an FA Cup final yeah, a few yeah. years ago. He was their manager. And he came in actually and turned things around a bit. We had a we beat Southampton, we beat Forest. Um, and we looked pretty good when we beat Forest. I thought, oh, hang on a minute, we got to, we're going to survive here. 
And then for whatever reason, a week later, we played Palace and we just got wallop 5-2 off the park. It was just like something broke. Palace just worked us out. Hmm. And that was it. The season collapsed and we went down and, you know, they rolled the dice with Allardyce at the end, which was just a joke, really. Um, I mean, the least said about that, the better, you know, <laughs> whatever. I mean, actually, people at Leeds talk quite highly of Allardyce as the way he conducted himself behind yeah. the scenes. But, you know, it's dinosaur, isn't he? So, um, yeah, so we just went down and, and it was all a bit, by the end, you know, we, it was just all a bit inevitable, really. So it wasn't such a big blow when it actually happened because I'd come to terms with it beforehand. Um, yeah. So that was that. So, yeah, we went down. And that brought us into the summer, which was pretty chaotic. So Yeah, and it was chaotic, right? Because there's a takeover. Was it going to happen? Was it not going to happen? There was also the aspect of how much would uh, the buyers want to pay for Leeds when they were getting, if they were to yeah. get relegated. There's obviously you don't have a manager. Victor Arta leaves as well. So yeah. this chaos still keeps happening. Um, and obviously, so what was happening in the summer and then it took a while to appoint Daniel Farker as well. So was yeah. this just because of the, the takeover or was it just trying to look at different people? What was what was going on there? Both. So the takeover, the the, the price and the deal was agreed if we're in the Premier League for whatever the price mm. was. It was big. It was all done. There was no deal for if we went down for the takeover. So the San Francisco 49ers investment yeah. vehicle, so it's the 49ers plus some other investors. Are, are, they've been involved in Leeds for a while now. They've had like 13, 40%. So it was them jumping from... 40% of the total ownership. Yeah. So they were, kind of, they were in there. We had a 49ers guy on the board. Um, but I think they fell out at the end of the season. And, and Rad Rosani, the previous majority owner, was basically trying to buy Sampdoria. And he now owns Sampdoria in, in Italy. Yeah. Um, okay. But so he was trying to buy Sampdoria. He was like wanting to hold on to Leeds and not sell them and get them back up. And then he, he was being forced to sell. And it was all just really chaotic and political. And then he disappeared off to Italy and wouldn't deal with them. And it was just all kind of messy. Um they eventually got the deal done, but it took a long time. And then it, then it takes the EFL ages to ratify the deal. So there was another month on top mm. of that. So yeah. we pretty much got... So the, the deal was announced, I don't know, in June or something, but it was kind of pre-season. It started just about when the EFL ratified the deal, maybe a week into pre-season. So the first week of pre-season, um, we didn't have a head coach. It was just the, the fitness staff taking the players i mean that's fine for, for the first week because they're doing fitness work and testing and stuff um <clears throat> but by that point we knew fark was coming in it was just a case of the efl ratifying it so the club could therefore hire him because they couldn't the new owners couldn't officially hire him until they actually owned the club so yeah a really slow start so fark came in and like what's happening with transfers we've got we've got uh, we've got a big premier league squad of players who are wanting out but the most part we've got a new manager in there we've got um some big transfer needs. We've got players that we need to bring in for fight. We've got players that are desperate to get out. And it was just, it just all kind of, it'd been messy. But one thing I want to give Fart credit for is, and he came in, he just seemed to be a very calming hand on the tiller. He came in and it's all messy. He just said, no, calm down, everybody. We're all, you know, we're going to start, we're gonna, this, here's how we're going to play. And this is the sort of transfer dealings I want to do. And it just, all of a sudden, it just calmed down. And I think within a few days of Fark arriving, Ethan Ampadu came in the first transfer. And we're like, oh, great, that's a good transfer. Yeah, and it just kind of felt like, right, okay, we're away now. And it's kind of been pretty good since then, if that makes sense. So it just, it was all very messy. But I guess once we got the takeover done and Fark came in, and then behind Fark, we got a new technical director that came in just after him and some recruitment staff joined and and what have you. So and it's all kind of calmed down. And it's, it's generally been pretty good since the takeover and since Fark came in. And it's just kind of slowly been getting better and better. So... I guess it was turmoil and, and frustration and waiting, but it was, you know, 
it was kind of worth it really yeah and i also when things start to settle down uh of, you know above the pitch and in the boardroom everything seems to be um normalized and, and working it's kind of reflect on the pitch right you tend to see that and yeah obviously farkas farkas came in now and you've brought a few players in and the season started quite slowly right september yeah. was quite a, a difficult month for years um was it do you think it was just a case of players adapting to farkas style yeah, there was. I think we had to do it. A lot of our transfer business was late in the window, and we'd lost quite a few players at that point. So there were a few games where we were, we were like putting two keepers on the bench, and we didn't have many players, and there was a few injuries. So we just went through that spell where there was not a lot for him to pick. Uh, we got beat by Birmingham really early on in a pretty dismal game, and our front line was Jamie Shackleton. I don't know if you know, he's just a sort of ordinary jobbing, <laughs> jobbing midfielder. Yeah, yeah. He was playing yeah. on the wing. Yeah, Dan James, Dan James on the other wing, and Rutter up front, and like kids in midfield, and like midfielders at right back, and it was just one of those kind of makeshift teams. We got beat by Birmingham, and it wasn't great. So it was just kind of one of those players were available. Um, we had a couple of players who were trying to force moves, so they weren't taking themselves out of the picture for, for selection. Um, we had transfer deals kind of coming that were coming, so it was just a case of the squad wasn't ready. Um, and then we had like a flurry, <clears throat> a flurry of activity towards the end of the transfer window, and good players coming in at that point. And I think by the end of the transfer window, like, oh, okay, we've got quite a good squad here. It's not perfect, but yeah. all of a sudden it's a full squad. He's got options. He's got players he can rotate. So I think it's just a combination of that, and yeah, him getting his ideas across, and I guess fight getting to know the squad and getting to know what they can do. And we will talk about tactics in a bit, but I think he came in with some ideas about how he wanted to play. And he, he's had to adapt his ideas a little bit. You know, he's a, he's got his ideal Fark vision of football, I think, and he's had to adapt a little bit to the squad he's got. So, you know, a combination of all those things, really. Yeah, I'd be really keen to hear about uh, Fark ball um, <laughs> because, you know, if you're looking at Leeds United this season, um, and just in terms of, like, underlying numbers, you know, you're second for expected goal yeah. difference. Uh, you've got the best defended defence in the league in terms of expected uh, goals yeah. against. Um, lowest for, for long balls as well. It's different from what Bielsa was bringing maybe four yeah. years ago to now, but it still seems really effective. So how does how how does um Farkaball look and look for uh, for you at the moment? So I, I sometimes think it's worth thinking about what Fark wants to do as an ideal and how he's had to adapt. Mm. So if you cast your mind back to the Fark's first Norwich team that got that went up as champions in eighteen nineteen, if you can remember that season, mm-hmm. so it's Bielsa's first season at Leeds because they pipped us for going up that season. And I think you had Pulis in charge at Borough. So yeah, you were so pretty I, strong. I, I try and avoid that. I try and avoid that that period of my life. It was the football was that bad, to be honest. Uh, yeah, you were pretty so. effective though, weren't you? A good team, that Pulis team. That was solid, weren't they? In a kind of functional way. I remember Leeds having, yeah, you giving kind of. Bielsa's Leeds two tough games. It was two draws that year. Yeah. If you remember rightly, wasn't it the one where um, Jack Clark collapsed and there was like, like, Quarter of an hour of extra time, uh, injury time. Do you remember yeah. that game? Yeah, and we equalised later on. Well, yeah, I was at equalized. that game, and I went with I went with a fan who's the pal of mine is a Borough fan, and I was in the Borough end for that game, and I had to like stifle a cheer when we equalised <laughs> late on. So that's my confession. But um, yeah, so if you go back to that season, so classic that's classic Fark, I think, and he tried to implement that style at Leeds. So if you remember at Norwich, they were like a four-two-three-one team. They had Pookie up front. Uh, Wendy mm. was the playmaker, but he played right wing. But he was very much a kind of a, a drifting infield. 10 really. Um, Max Ahrens was the right winger, really, from right back overlapping. They had O'Neill Hernandez on the left, who you, you guys will know because he mm-hmm. played for Borough. He was the kind of touchline hugging winger on the left. Um, obviously, Pookie stretching in behind. Um, 
so it was this kind of like um lopsided kind of system with like a touchline hugging winger, a kind of playmaking winger coming in field, a right back bombing past. The number 10 was Steepermans, who was kind of more of a box crashing eight really than a kind of classic 10. So he would arrive and score goals. So I think that's kind of classic Clark, what he wants to play. And it was quite intense, you know, fairly possession heavy, fairly, fairly aggressive in the press, but not kind of ultra aggressive, you know, and they scored lots of goals. They weren't the best defensive team. And I think he tried to implement that style at Gladbach when he was in Germany and it didn't quite work there, I don't think. But then he came to Leeds and tried to implement the same thing, but he didn't quite have the personnel for that kind of system. We didn't have a Buendia for a start. We don't really have a Buendia at Leeds. Mm. We don't have a Pookie. We tried to buy Cameron Archer actually this summer, but it, it, mm. I think he was just too expensive. I think Cameron Archer might have been quite a good Pookie in that analogue really, kind of like running in behind, stretching the defence in behind. That would have worked quite mm. well, but we couldn't get him. So we ended up with Perot, who it's probably more closely aligned to Akpom, actually, kind of like, kind of like a second striker, kind of goal scoring yeah. from the kind of ten position. So mm. he's kind of had to adapt his attack. So we've kind of, so the so the the, the archer role, if you like, the stretching the defence or the pooky role, is kind of done by our wingers. So Dan James and Somerville were kind of running behind from the wing and they're kind of coming quite narrow. Our centre our centre forwards tend to drop off and create and play make and, and arrive late. So it's kind of a different order. So you've got to think of think of how he sets his folds up in terms of roles rather than positions. Like our main goal scorer mm. is our 10. Our main creator is Rutter, mm. who plays at nine. You know, he's a creative player. He's not a goal mm. scorer. Our kind of running in behind guys that stretch the back line and give us depth to our attack are our wingers. Um, our left back is the one that's bombing forward rather than Max Ahrens, who was the right back for Norwich. So that's the kind of general shape. But So it's kind of somewhere between, I guess you could call it a 4-2-3-1 with Piro at 10, or you could call it a 4 4 yeah. 2 with Piro as a second striker, however you want to call it. So, and it's, but what, what we try and do is we don't have, we're not, we're not the best, I don't think, at kind of holding possession for long periods and breaking teams down systematically, like in a heavy possession team. We don't really have that kind of a Pablo Hernandez or a Buendia, like, you know, like, you know, Spanish people will call it, they don't have that pause, you know, that kind of, they want to get on the ball and create and dictate things. We don't have that. We're all about kind of transition and like moments, like you know, really nice combination play at speed. So like our main creator is Rutter, who's a you know twenty twenty year old guy who can carry the ball for for days and got a nice pass off you know off, off a dribble. Somerville, great dribbler. Dan James, quick. Perot is the finisher. So so what we tend to do is we tend to have a system where we try and draw people in. It's a little bit like what Brighton do. We'll step on the ball at the back. You know, and try and draw yeah. people in, yeah, and then we'll, the then, yeah, yeah, and then we'll like invite the press, and then we'll launch, and it almost looks like a counter attack, even though we're in possession. And then we'll rotate from there. And we have some quite nice, we're quite good at building from the back, where the fullbacks will run inside and create create an open lane and try and drag their winger away from from the such line, so there's an open lane to the winger, and we can play out and then up the field and stuff. So we're quite good and quite inventive at building from the back and <clears throat> and drawing teams onto us. So we do tend to prefer a team that will come at us and and press. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, and create those transitions. Um, and another thing that Fark has shown, it's not something he's necessarily shown in his previous coaching career, is we're quite good at pressing. He's quite good at setting pressing traps. So again, we'll win the ball on the halfway line. So if you look at um, the third goal we scored against Swansea on Wednesday, it was it was Sam Byron stepping into midfield, winning it on the counter, playing Rutter in, who then carries it forward and, and lays it onto Dan James, yeah. who's the furthest forward, almost, you know, kind of thing. So, and Rutter's our centre forward, picking the ball up on the halfway line and feeding the winger, who's the furthest forward. You know, you can see how it's the roles yeah. vary kind of thing. So, yeah, it's all about kind of generating, either generating through pressing, or pressing traps in midfield or artificial transitions from drawing the opposition on. That's how we create. So if teams sit sit back and don't come on to us, that's, 
that's the worry. That's that's the weakness in our attack. Um, but mm. if teams come at us, I'm 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 always happy that we'll make chances. Yeah, and I think we obviously we said on on your podcast that this game could be pretty much all about a transition because I think Bora yep. are quite can be quite similar in a way. I think we're very aggressive. We can be aggressive if we want to be when we want to press. I think the first, yeah. I was saying to you, like, the, for, like, the first time I've seen Middlesbrough actually control the game without the balls against Leicester. Be keen to see if yep. we did that again against Leeds because I think if we were to try and dominate and if it's a game of transition, it becomes a basketball match. I feel like this could be like such a difficult game for us. Um, I think it's going to be a difficult game anyway. Mm. Um, but I think obviously you're saying there, if a team was to sit back, that's where you cause the biggest problem. So would you say that like create... Really, is creating chances like probably yeah. like one of the difficult things for you guys? Yeah, we don't really have those kind of automations that you see from the really elite like positional play coaches. You know, mm. sometimes if we're up against a you know a a block of four and a five or something, and 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 they're all sat in yeah. positions, and we're trying to break them down, it, like it stops, and it's almost like everyone's looking at each other. What do we do now? There's no space. So, yeah. so what? To be fair, at the start of the season, that was a real big problem. Now, what we do is we just go back. It'll just go back to the keeper. We'll try and draw you out and play and switch it around. So yeah. we're getting better at drawing people out now. And we've got kind of, I guess we have, rather than kind of passing moves to drop it, rather than passing moves to break a defence out, we've got method for drawing people out, if that makes sense. It's a different different approach. Mm. Um, yeah, so like, for example, last Friday we drew with Rotherham. Um, it was a mad transition first half. We went in one all, which was, a you know, we just gave a really, really soft goal. Second half, Rotherham just sat. And we just couldn't, mm. you know. I mean, we did, yeah, yeah we, we we scored a goal that was just offside, and we should have had a pen, but you know, all that kind of stuff. But we didn't create tons, to be honest. You know, considering the kind of quality and differential between Leeds and Robin, we should have done, you know. And it was a real big problem. Whereas yesterday against Swansea, who came out, we you know we generated two and a half xg, and Swansea are way better than Rotherham. Mm. So it's just it depends. You know, styles make fights, don't they? A little bit. That's the kind of the old boxing adage. I think it's true of Leeds, really. Yeah. Yeah, and like yeah. I think that's definitely. I think when we were looking at Preston, probably up for us uh, mm. on on the on the Tuesday, like it might cause a lot of teams problems, but they didn't cause us one. Like you saying that style stylistically, I think we just didn't match or law. I felt like law set them up really expansive, and for a team that plays through the thirds quite yeah. comfortably, it just felt a bit like suicide. Um, but just in terms of players that are obviously for Leeds this season, you know, you you, you have kept some players that you've came yep. down uh, from the Premier League with. And some of them have started very really well. I think Somerville is probably one of the, the key players. I think has been excellent yep. so far. Chopper yep. has been excellent too. So who would you say are like the key players for Leeds in the current system and also players who we should potentially look out for and who are like kind of underrated? Yeah, so I mean the two superstars are Rutter and Somerville. I mean they're up I mean they're ridiculous. That that mm. you know, if we don't go up, they're going up type thing. Um Yeah. Um but the front the front four is is it's a nice front four because they're sharing the goals as well. You know, we're not it's not we're not relying on one guy to make it tick. So, you know, Rutter's got four goals, Perot's got seven, Somerville's got seven, James has got five. So it's like a nice spread. They're all chipping in with assists as well. They're all rotating and, and playing really well. So it's a it's kind of a really nice fun four and, and it gets us out of trouble a lot, even if we don't play well, those guys get us out of trouble. So but I kind of I kind of think that they're well-known guys, aren't they? They're well-known players that everyone knows they're good. They're not the unknown ones. Um, I think probably the probably the best least heralded player is probably Pascal Stroik, the centre-back. Um, really, really, okay. really nice left-footed passing centre-back. Big, strong guy. Like, like he's got. I think he's got the highest progressive 
passing yards in the championship or second in the championship this season. So he's just he's the guy we built through from the back. Yeah, yeah he's just really, nice. really good. He's the guy that built and he's he's got a nice partnership with Rodon, left foot, right foot. They're both big guys. Rodon's kind of the more athletic, quick guy that covers behind. Strike's not the quickest, that's his weakness, I guess. Yeah. Strike's really kind of wins his duels. He's a he's a big unit, you know, he wins his he wins his duels when he comes up. Um like I say he's left footed, good pass of the ball. So he's really so that they're, they're a kind of nice effective pair at the back. And Ampadu and, and Kamara have just starting to form a really nice central midfield partnership. So it just feels like a really nice spine to build from. Yeah. Um, there. I mean, Ampadu probably the signing of the summer. I mean, I absolutely love that guy. He's absolutely fantastic midfielder. Another one, probably alongside Somerville and Rutter, who, you know, if we don't go up, he goes up because I think someone will, will pick him up for, for good money. Um, so that's the, the really strong. I mean, in terms of players you've not seen a lot of yet, Archie Gray, the young kid who's making his way this season. Um, I yeah. think he's got a lot of he's got a high a lot of high potential. He's playing right back at the moment. He's a centre mid really, but he's playing right back. Right. But the right back is the less adventurous in the current system of the full backs, if you like, yeah. and he'll just tuck into midfield. So he gets involved in midfield play quite a bit, which is his natural game. But he's really he's really good in kind of one on one duels and stuff. So he's really like we played less the other week and he handled Mavadidi and like, you know, and he's a seventeen year old kid, sent yeah. sent the mid playing right back oh. and Yeah, yeah. I mean Mavadidi gave him a hard time for the first half, the first half, if you like, and then yeah. Gray got on top of him and it's just you know I just think it, it's obviously a, a really good kid so yeah they're the ones that stand out really it's, it's the kind of good spine and then the fun the fun four if you like that's how that's where we are I mean weakness is probably full back I would say is where we, we're kind of weak like I say we're playing a kid at right back we've got Sam Byram at left back who's a right back <laughs> and is injury prone so yeah yeah so that's 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 where we're weak I guess comparison yeah it, it, there, was, there was a moment as well I think for, for Sam Byron when you mentioned there where uh, obviously he left and went I think went to Norwich yeah. right I think of, of all teams and then obviously West Ham I think, I think. Leeds Boy yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Leeds Boy yeah, yeah. Leeds Boy and he came back and scored and it was just a nice moment uh, well, I think with the fans as well when he scored earlier in the season um, but I just want to move on to to the weekends obviously now when can now and this is a really interesting game. I know we mentioned it there in terms of stylistically and how the, uh, the game might fare out. But obviously, mm. a nice little factor is that the top two sides for creative chances, like big chances this season, are Leeds mm. and Borough with 44 and 40, respectively. Yeah. Um, the last time Borough beat Leeds uh, at Ellen Road was in 2011. So um, the Omen is... It's due, then. It's due, yeah. It could be, um, yeah, but yeah. Uh, I was there that game where it was, I was one. I think it was a pretty nuts game. I think it was a couple of red cards and then Marvin Emner scored, and uh, we ended up winning under Tony Mowbray, which is just a, a bit of an odd game, to be honest. It was a very odd game. Yeah. Uh, but we'll, we'll move into it. So, where do you think the game is, is going to be won and lost? So, like you said, you're kind of it's, it's transition, at least trying to generate those transitions. And I, I yeah. think you said to me the other night when we had a chat on my podcast, you kind of worry about Brewers defending those transition moments. So, hmm. um, so what happened against, it's interesting what happened against Swansea um, last night. We had Ampadu and Kamara and Swansea kind of actually overloaded our midfield. They got swamped a bit, really. Um, and, I mean, credit to Swansea, their setup was really good, actually, in the way they kind of played through. Um, and it wasn't until we kind of got hold of that situation, second half, that we really started to generate a lot of, lot of, lot of transitions. So I think it's, sorry, a lot of like dominance and then we were able to transition as we wanted. So I think it's really important from a Leeds perspective that those two get on top of 
I'm presuming it'll be Housen and Barlas uh, in the midfield for you guys. Yeah, it will be. Yeah, Hackney's unless, injured. If, unless, unless, Hackney, yeah, unless Hackney is miraculously improves yeah. in the next couple of days, I, I can't see it. Um, so yeah. it will be Housen and Barlas. So for us, it's legs in midfield, which I could be a bit concerned about. To be honest, well, that's what I thought. I thought Housen's a wonderful football. I love for Johnny Housen. I mean, obviously remember him coming through at Leeds as well. But yeah, he doesn't have legs anymore, does he? He's a technical player, isn't he? But he's he's not a. He's not an athlete as such. Yeah. Um, <coughs> excuse me. So I wonder what, what will happen then if, if Kamara and Ampadu can get on top in that respect, then perhaps we, you know, we can we can do some damage. But if 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 um if you recognise that and somehow tweak that tactically and can kind of you know can get on top of us in midfield and and and, and turn that around and stop us sort of getting that platform for our transitions, then yeah, you could you could really do some damage, I think. So like Swansea did. And I think you've got a lot more firepower than Swansea had. So if you can, your know, analysts look at the way Swansea kind of bogged us down in midfield and add some firepower, to, you know, add some some threat to that which Swansea lacked, which I think he wouldn't lack, you could have some joy. So, you know, there's a blueprint there. Yeah. Definitely. It, yeah, and look, I think whether we hit that or not, I'm not too sure, you know, we've had we've got a lot of injuries, but I think the injuries on, on Tuesday for us was quite a bit of a blessing because you get to see other, other players come in, try yeah. new systems. And also Morgan Rogers on that left-hand side kind of thought, you know what, it will create problems probably at the, at the weekend. Right. So obviously we'll see that given that Sam Greenwood is not playing, occupying that, mm. that left free role, role which which were you saying there like around like, the team and like the similarities in just in terms of like walls and, and yeah. where like players will try to come in try and create overload centrally. So it could really be a game where like we kind of cancel each other out to some extent. Yeah. Um, but prediction-wise, obviously everyone comes to this podcast for the score predictions most likely. Um, so what are you going to go for um, for, for, the, for the score prediction on Saturday? Um... I'm 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 proper like I'm not overly keen on predictions because football is just so uh, volatile, isn't yeah. it? It's such a, like a random game, low scoring game. I'm I'm we're good at home. Our home form's pretty solid. We're unbeaten this year. Like we had a couple of draws at the start, but it's not been all wins since then. Um, I fancy us at home. Always fancy us at home, and we've got everybody's fit at the moment. So I'm going to say Leeds going to nick it two one. It's going to be a kind of a good competitive game, but I think we'll just come out on top. That's my, yeah, um, that's my that's my prediction. Yeah, I'm gonna go two two. I think. Yeah, I think I'll we'll just snatch just snatch yeah. them at the end. I feel like, yeah. um, and they'll feel like a win, but it's not. Uh, but um, my final question for you, Dan, is where can people find uh, your podcast? Uh, so just yeah, just just go online and just look for all stats that way on Twitter. Sorry, or X as we call it now. Um, for all stats that way, we're kind of fairly active on there. We sometimes do Twitter spaces before the game, just after the team news is announced. So some of the guys will just come on there and talk about the team news and talk about the opposition. And yeah, we put out a couple of podcasts each week. So just just go to your normal podcast provider and look for all stats, aren't we? So that's where we're at. Yeah. Brilliant. Dan, thank you so much uh, for coming on as well. I really enjoyed uh, having to speak to you twice in, in one week as well. Yeah, so been uh, it's been really, really great to, to catch up. Um, but for, for right now, this has been the Board Breakdown podcast and that was our op- opposition preview show about Leeds United in a podcast of the Board Breakdown. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.